All right, brethren, James 4 and verse 9, one verse. Lord willing, we will finish James 4 this evening. James 4 and verse 9. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Good, good passage to remember when you're in your word, when you're reading your Bible. That the man of God, the woman of God, the Christian may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And suffice it to say, beloved, that I'll speak for myself when I'm studying these things. I struggle as much as I can, and I want to put myself under this, the, the magnifying glass of the Scriptures. And so suffice it to say, when I read the Word of God, I need instruction, I need reproof, I need correction. And that's how we ought to read the Word of God. I think of Bryce's compass that he got. Did you see Bryce's compass? Bryce has a compass that I think Bethany gave to him, right? And it has Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And then when you open it up, it's got a compass in it. And on north, it doesn't have N. It's got Lord, the Lord. And so, true north. And beloved, this is our true north. Um, it keeps us on correct course um, James 4 9 he he said this he said be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness let's pray father please help us in your word for this few minutes I pray heavenly father that you would point us to Christ O God I pray that in every aspect of our Christian lives, Father, that we would continually be being pointed back to you. Father, when we stray, that we would turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Father, that you would give us the grace and the help to ponder the paths of our feet. Lord, that we would walk in the ways of wisdom, that we would always be walking toward that straight gate which leads to eternal life. Oh God, help, help us all, Father. We are in great need of you. Uh, in this very moment and every moment of our lives. Help us, Father. Um, Lord, uh, we pray for your grace and your strength. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for our sins. Lord, I pray that, Lord, uh, we would uh, ever be aware, Father, uh, of our own personal lives and may we never take sin lightly. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why did James write this, be afflicted and mourn? Well, we know, we read chapter 4, and we know what was happening. These believers had sinned against each other, and worse, they had sinned against God. Uh, what James commanded the Christians to do there, uh, it all kind of comes under that heading of drawing nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And then he gets to this, that, that they would... They would afflict themselves. This be afflicted is to afflict, your, afflict yourself. I think of Daniel when he, he prayed in Daniel 9. I just read that. Um, Daniel put on sackcloth. He rent his clothes. And he confessed his sins and the sins of the people of Israel 
to the Lord. So that putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes was a sign of, of mourning and shame for their sins. Beloved, this should be the response of every one of our hearts when we sin. It should be sorrow. It should be that we're sorry for our sins in the right direction, beloved, vertically to our God. But there was no sorrow, there was no mourning in the hearts of these people, these brethren that James was writing to. Instead, there was pride, there was lusting, there was fighting. There were carnal prayers, carnal desires. There was the love of the world. And beloved, when we begin to drift into the world and we begin to sin and not be sorrowful for our sins, our hearts begin to be cold and callous. And that's a dangerous place to be when our hearts begin to grow cold and hard and callous because of our sins. Listen, that's a terrible condition for any believer to, to, to drift into. I think we just sang in the song about backsliding. We need to be so careful of, of going backward and not going forward, beloved, in our Christian lives. Back up to Hebrews 3.12. Uh, the writer of Hebrews warns about this in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and verse 12. And he uses those first three words, Take heed, brethren, believers, lest there be in any of you, verse 12, chapter 3, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, in departing, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, calloused, you become cold through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And so this begs the question, and listen, this is, this is what I want for my heart before God, and it's what I want for your heart before God, beloved. It begs the question, how do you view your sin? And the way that you view God is going to directly couple with how you view your sin, is how you view God. Do you fear God? Do you revere God? Do you love Christ? Do you love what he did for you on the cross of Jesus Christ? Beloved, that's Listen, if you don't have a right view of God, you won't have a right view of how really bad sin is. As Paul says in Romans, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And if we really view sin the way we should sin, then we will voluntarily, we will intentionally, we will sorrow, we will mourn for our sins when we do sin against God. Listen, if you love God, if you believe Christ, if you love Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross to save you from your wickedness and your sins, keep this in mind. If this is where you are in your spirit, you will have sorrow. You will have heaviness when you sin. That's going to be the effect. That's going to be the spiritual response that's in you. Again, if you have a right view of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of his cross, you will have a right view of your sins. And listen, as Christians, we ought to view sin rightly. That, that hymn, O sacred head now wounded, or maybe it's stricken smitten, ye who, ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly at the cross. Here its guilt may estimate. In other words, we see how bad sin is, 
when we see the sufferings and death of Christ on the cross. Now consider this, Jeremiah Burroughs, he wrote this in his book, The Evil of Evils. He wrote, a man may fight with another man and yet not seek to take away his life. Not seek to destroy him. But sin strikes at the very being of God. Sin strikes at the very being of God. In Leviticus chapter 24, uh, verse 16, let me show you this one verse. And I want, I, want to, I want to define this word for you. This is in Leviticus 24 and verse 16. If there's anything that I would like you to come away with, I pray the Lord will give you, it would be a right view of your own sin, a right view of sin itself. In Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, in Leviticus, Leviticus 24 and verse 16, you read the passage there. And the scripture writes, And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger. And he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth, that's twice, the name of the Lord shall be put to death. That word blaspheme means to pierce or to strike through the name of the Lord. It's what it means, to strike at God. Beloved, when we sin, we strike at God. We strike at the existence of God. To continue in our sins is to wish that there were no God. The atheistic fool, beloved, hates God. They fear not God. They boast that there is no God. And this is because they love their sins and they will have them. Listen, to love our sin is to push God away. To love your sin is to wish God out of existence because you want what is wicked and you want to push off God who is holy. Psalm 14.1 says that, Psalm 53 as well. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, they are abominable. And when you take away the italicized words in Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, it reads, the fool has said no God. And that's how it reads. What a terrible thing, beloved. And listen, I want you to have a right view of your sin. And if you would, you must have a right view of God. Look at Psalm 36, just four verses there. Psalm 36 and then Romans briefly. Psalm 36 and verse 1, it reads, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, or this is what the transgression of the wicked says within their hearts, that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. And then to Romans 3, just two verses there. Romans 3. Beloved, we shouldn't be anywhere near these attitudes in our own lives. We shouldn't be anywhere near this. This should not be our conduct, our attitudes. It should not be the way we think. 
Romans 4, uh, 3 and verse 16 says, Of the sinner, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. To sin with impunity, to sin and love your sin, to sin and continue in sin, is to have no fear, no reverence, no esteem for God before your eyes. Listen, sorrow and mourning and heaviness should always be in yours and my heart. That should be our response, beloved, our spiritual response when we sin. In our mind, when we think of sin, it should cause us to sorrow for our sins, beloved. When we sin in our actions, it should cause us to sorrow for our sins. When we've sinned against our brother, our sister, our husband, our wife, our mother, our father, our children, beloved, we should be sorry that we've sinned against someone, but we should primarily, first and foremost, be sorry because our sin strikes at God. It strikes at God, whom we profess to love and fear. Think about this. When they killed the Lord Jesus, the unbelieving Jews said this before he went to his cross. They said, we will not have this man to reign over us. When we sin, we are saying the same thing. When we sin, we are saying, I will not follow Jesus Christ. I will not have him to reign over us. In the pattern prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Beloved, we don't reject his kingdom nor his kingship. When we sin, we are denying that we know the Lord. Like Peter, who denied the Lord three times. He denied that he knew him three times. When that young woman came to him and she said, you're also a Galilean. You know him. You're a follower of his. You're a disciple of Christ. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. Beloved, when we sin, we betray our Lord. When we, when we sin, we're no better than those wicked men who struck him on the face. Luke chapter 22 and verse 55. Luke 22 and verse 55. As I read this, I, want, I never want to think lightly about my sins. I never want to think about sin as if it's not a big deal. Beloved, I want to be affected by my sin. I want to mourn over my sin. I want to weep over my sin. And beloved, I think that's the right response that each of us should have. We should hate our sins. Luke twenty-two fifty-five. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. You're a Christian. And he denied him. He denied Christ, saying, Woman, I know him not. When we sin, we, that's what we're doing. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. You're a Christian. Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned 
and looked upon Peter. I cannot imagine those eyes turning and looking upon Peter. I've thought about what did his face look like? What, what was the expression of the Lord's face? And I have to believe that it was the look of love toward Peter. I, I don't know what it was, but the Bible says here that Peter, when he looked upon Christ, he went out and he wept bitterly. Beloved, sometimes we find ourselves in a place like Peter. What was Peter thinking? You would think that the Peter that we know from the scriptures would never do that. But here he was, denying three times. I mean, boldface denying. This wasn't just something where he just kind of didn't say anything. I mean, he asserted three times, I don't know him. And beloved, my Lord just showed me when I sin against him, it's like, it's like I'm saying, I don't know Christ. I don't know Christ. I don't fear God. I don't love Christ. He didn't die for my sins. I don't have anything to do with him. And the amazing thing about that, beloved, for God's people is that Jesus doesn't stop loving us. Amen. God does not stop loving us. That in itself ought to make us fall on our face with weeping and sorrow that our Lord will not cast us off. How can we not be full of sorrow and heaviness when we sin against our Heavenly Father whose love is always towards us? He, his love never turns from us. His mercy toward us never ceases. Even in our intentional failures like this of Peter, his faithfulness to you, child of God, reaches unto the clouds. His mercy unto the heavens. His goodness and his kindness, his patience and his long-suffering toward you will never cease. In fact, Luke 6, I think 35, says he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Man, that's to me. That's to us. We serve such a gracious God. Listen, to sin without being filled with godly sorrow for your sins is to show no fear of God in your heart. It's to have no esteem, no respect. It's not to exalt God. It's not to call him my father which art in heaven. It's to reduce him to one of the lower gods, beloved. No, he is our father which art in heaven. We ought to be filled with godly sorrow for our sins. We ought to be filled with godly sorrow because of his great love. What James speaks of is an intentional, voluntary afflicting of your soul when you have sinned against God. Be afflicted, he says. Literally, it means to be sorrowful for your sins, James 4.9. If we truly know and love God like this, this is how we will respond when we sin. This is how I want to respond when I sin. I want us all, beloved, to have tender hearts when we sin against God. Tender hearts like Daniel. You watch Daniel pray, beloved, and he confessed his sins and the sins of his people. He says, to us, Lord, belongs confusion of face. To you belongs righteousness. And you can read of Daniel's life and you never see anything that he ever did that would make you think that he ever sinned with intention against his Lord. Listen, remember these passages, Matthew 5, 4, the Beatitudes. Blessed are they that mourn. <clears throat> Listen, not that we go around mourning, but 
Happy are they that mourn for their sins, for they shall be comforted. Beloved, there is joy that comes from this godly mourning, this godly sorrow, beloved, that brings us to repentance, this right view of God, beloved. I pray that we would have that. In Luke's rendering, he says, Blessed are ye that weep now for your sins. I've added that for your sins, for ye shall laugh then. And then in verse 25, he says, Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And that will happen to those that would not mourn over their sins, that would not turn from their sins. Sadness and sorrow and mourning for your sins is spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It should be our attitude. It is a beatitude. These beatitudes are characteristics. They are who we should be. These qualities, these virtues that should be in us, beloved. They set us apart in this world. Beloved, we don't just look at sin like it's a mistake. It's worse than a mistake. Our sin strikes at God. It strikes at the very existence of God. And when we continue in sin, beloved, it's like we're trying to push God totally out. It's like saying there is no God. I'll close with this. This is a hymn from John Newton. I'll just read three verses to you. Um, it's called One There Is Above All Others. Some of you may have heard this. But John Newton writes, One there is above all others well deserves the name of friend. His is love beyond the brother's costly, free, and knows no end. They who once his kindness prove find it everlasting love. The next verse, could we bear from one another what he daily bears from us? Yet this glorious friend and brother loves us though we treat him thus. Though for good we render ill, he accounts us brethren still. Finally, oh, for grace our hearts to soften. Teach us, Lord, at length to love. We, alas, forget too often what a friend we have above. But when home our souls are brought, we will love thee as we ought. Beloved, I pray that God would elevate and help you in your thoughts of your God and your Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Spirit of God. I pray that the great triune God would be exalted in your minds and your hearts. I pray that there would be a healthy fear and reverence for God in your life. And beloved, I know that if there is, you will view sin the way you should, and the response of your heart when you do sin will be godly sorrow. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would help us Help me, Father, when I sin to be afflicted and to mourn and to be sorrowful and to weep, Father. Lord, every sin, Father, is, is against you. And, Father, as David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And, Father, he sinned against Bathsheba, he sinned against Uriah, sinned against Joab. But yet, Father, he said rightly, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Father, that's our sin resides there. Oh God, I pray that when we do sin, we would have sorrowful and penitent hearts. And may it be because of our love for thee. May it not be 
manufactured or synthetic. May we not pretend, Lord, but I pray that this would be what's in our hearts toward Thee, O God. I pray that we'd love You more and more. Father, I know that as James taught this to the brethren, so it is being taught to us, Father, and this sorrow will bring joy, Father. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. And so, Father, this is... This is when we are wayward. This is how we draw nigh to you, Father. Again, this is how we return to you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all. Father, please help us in our Christian lives. Father, we cry out so often with Paul, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. O God, thank you so much for your great salvation. Oh, God, help us in our Christian lives. Forgive us for our sins, Father. Forgive us for not having a right view of sin, nor of a right view of you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.